we get caught up in our history and in our past. And I think that holds a lot of us back. It's a mind trick that we play and that's where imposter syndrome comes from, et cetera. But we can overcome that by just flooding the marketplace with value. You have the knowledge, the experience, and the talent needed to succeed. But in the day and age we live in, skill is not enough. Your story is the most powerful tool in your arsenal. This show will help you tap into that resource and learn how to leverage your message to gain deeper influence and build a lasting legacy. Tune in each week as thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and authors share how they built empires on the backs of their story. You're listening to Stories That Sell with your host, Scott Ramage. Hey, podcasters, if you're like me, you love hosting your show, but get discouraged by the time it takes to produce and market the final product. Turn to Podcast Media Machine, the number one solution for podcast design, production, content creation, and management. Visit podcastmediamachine.com. That's podcastmediamachine.com. Now back to our show. What's up? What's up, everybody? It's Scott again. Today I have with me Kevin Faulkner, owner of 3B Credit Health. How are you doing, Kevin? I'm good, brother. Thank you for having me, man. I'm excited to be here. I'm really excited to have you. And I say that a lot, but I have been I've I've been Facebook friends with you, social media friends, and we're also in a in a group together, what, for just like two months. And I'll tell you what, I cannot wait to pick your brain because I have learned so much. And you're putting out stuff, and every day I'm like, yes, I'm <laughs> screaming out, yes, I know, I'm walking this path. So I'm really looking forward to kind of digging in and seeing kind of what makes you tick and, and all of the above and leadership and life. And uh, you're a fellow Texan. Whereabouts are you in tex- Texas? Yeah, man, I'm in uh, Waco, Texas, man. Um, people actually, I grew up in East Texas, and, and man, people from Texas – Tell me, they say, "Hey, dude, man, your accent is crazy, man. You, you, you you've got a, a a country accent." People from Texas tell me I've got an accent, man. So that's uh, <laughs> that's how Texan I am, man. Yeah, yeah. Waco, well, it's it's uh it's kind of boomed over the last ten years, maybe. Is that about right? Yeah, it's growing, man. It's um, it's you know the the Chip and Joanna Gaines, the flip this house um yep. thing went crazy and uh it's been really big for Waco. It's been really big. It's grown yeah. a lot. Let's talk about that. What it, what has it done? I know that they you know that show aired and they gained a ton of notoriety, a lot of flips in and around the area. I mean, you got to understand there's all these little outliers places that they worked on. They're still doing stuff locally though. Yeah, they you know, I'm not really like big into it. I mean, I know obviously you, if you're on earth, you know who they are. Right. Um, and and so they've even done like we have a Lake Waco here and there's a uh, a marina with some so, some modest houseboats and things. Real fun to go hang out there on the weekend or holiday. And, and uh, they've even done some remodels on some houseboats and stuff. So they go. Wow. They do a lot of stuff, man. And it, it stimulated the economy much. Oh, yeah. Big yeah. time. Big time, man. Because we have people here. Um, they own a section of, of downtown. Mm-hmm. Um I can't even tell you what it's called, but there's big lines. And I used to live right down the road from, from, or not too far, not right down the road, but not too far from where their house is that you see on the show. And anytime you drive by there, you see a, a stack of cars stop taking pictures of it. So, That's crazy. You know, they've That's been crazy. big for Waco. Yeah. I, uh, I'm from Oregon and all the time I see, people on my social media from Oregon going to Waco. And and if I'm talking to them, they're like, how close are you to Waco? I mean, that's the conversation. I'm like, there's other parts of Texas, but um, yeah, I'm like, I'm like well, three it's, hours it's been, north. <laughs> it's been big for Waco. And this will actually segue into um, some things that we can go into as well, but it's been big for Waco in the aspect that Waco was known for that uh, David Koresh and the Branch Davidian right. stuff from back in the nineties, which was an isolated incident that doesn't define Waco and it's unfair, but that's what, you know, because that was a worldwide incident that, that everybody 
knew about when it happened. So Waco kind of got the reputation. And every time you'd say the word Waco or the talk about the community of Waco, that would be what people where people's mind would go. And I think what Chip and Joanna have done is very interesting. Um, Chip and Joanna Gaines from Flip This House have done for Waco is interesting because they have proven that your past doesn't define you as a community. So you mm. can bring value, which is what they have done to the world and re-establish uh, who you are and what your place is. And that's exactly what I've done, bro. Yeah, that, that's a, that you're right. That is a really good, it's a really good analogy. And I know that like, you're just two years into your business. So you're like a new entrepreneur, I believe. But like, I remember the day, like when you said Waco, that's what you thought. You thought of David Koresh, you thought of the, you know, the, the incident with the FBI and burning the place down. And that's what stuck in my head forever. And it's funny because you said Waco today, I didn't even, there wasn't even a millisecond of me that went to that part of it, to the Branch Davidians. I went directly to the re, like the, uh, what are those, the silos and the show and all the rehab and the, you know, and you drive through Waco now and you have like Baylor and they built this bridge with all these colors and you see there. So it's, it's really cool. So let's dive into that. Like, how is your life paralleled that or like that? Yeah, man, it's, they say you can't change uh, history, but I would argue that you, you can change history by bringing, by flooding the, the marketplace with value. I know that your, you know, your audience is, is mainly made up of entrepreneurs and we get caught up in our history and in our past. And I think that holds a lot of us back. It's a mind trick that we play and that's where imposter syndrome comes from, et cetera. But, um, we can overcome that by just bringing, flooding the marketplace with value. Okay. So you, you hit several nerves, especially from an entrepreneur, you know, the, like getting caught up in the past. I remember I've told my story so many times, you know, I've been an entrepreneur for years and years and I've had different businesses and I talked a lot of time about them as like, they weren't necessarily failures, but I'll, I, I really focused on what, didn't go right. Like what I'd learned. And I recently started to reframe that into what did go right. That's gotten me to where I am now. So, um, that imposter syndrome though, man, that is real. And being two years in, I mean, you're, you're talking about things that entrepreneurs who are in the game for a long time, you know, it, it you're talking about these things, like you've been dealing with them for years upon years upon years. What'd you do before you were, you owned your own business? Yeah, I've always been in sales and, and, um, that's, you know, so I'm 52 years old. So I've only been in, in an entrepreneur and had my own business for two years. Started in August of 2020 from an iPhone with an iPhone and, and, uh, a $50 printer. That's how I started it. But I, I have a, a wealth of experience that I've gotten from all the jobs that I so-called failed at. And I thought I was failing at these jobs, but I was gaining experience. So then whenever I got myself in the right room with the right people and I started learning, the light bulb came on and I'm like, oh, I remember back from 20 years ago, I was with this guy and he was a, a manager of a car dealership or whatever. And we went and we went through this and we experienced this. This is what we could have done right. And this is what we could have done wrong back then. So these failures that people have had in their past that they still continuously let hold us, hold us back aren't really failures. They're stepping stones. You have to have them. How long did you hold on to those things as failures? I mean, is this a new breakthrough for you or have you always kind of played those out and been like, Oh no, that helped me get to, you know, that, that event changing the wording from failure, that event moved me into this, which then in turn moved me into this. Cause I go back now and I can see this really clear mapping like, oh, that experience did that for me. You know, I was an educator, public educator that did that, that that allowed me to understand how to talk in front of groups. And that allowed me to understand how to break things down so people understand. And that, therefore, it led to this business, which then led to this. I see this web. I see this this uh, it's not always a straight line. We, we joke about that, you know, the wiggly line of success, but I can trace it back really well. How about you? 
Well, for thir- to answer your question about the um, the how, you know, did I let things hold me back and did I let my past, man? Yeah, absolutely. For thirty years, I had a ball wow. of of uh, call it call it um, a, uh, a it really what it was was it was it was just a lack of confidence, but it was a ball of this identity of of who I who I thought I was, and then once I was able to string together some some victories some small victories and what that comes from is just really 100 percent keeping your word to yourself then that established confidence and then i was able to finally break free from that i don't worry about the past anymore in the aspect of it doesn't hold me back at all it doesn't it's not it's not part of my identity it's not why that's why it's so comfortable to talk about it but it's not it's like it's not even the same person I really like that. I think a lot of people, how many times do you talk to somebody and they're talking about what they do and what they've done is their identity? I mean, have you noticed that pattern? Yeah. And I've had, and I've talked to a lot of good, smart people that have, that have helped me to understand that, that like, even if something, even if you battle something or you, you have something that like me, I've battled mental illness for my entire life. And, you know, I, you have to watch your words, man, words matter. So if you're talking about, um, I, I have depression or I suffer from depression. I mean, you have to be, if you have to be careful with those words because your subconscious is listening to that. No, depression is just something I deal with, but I take the action. I, I, I handle it. It's not, it's not something that identifies who I am as a person because what we, what we tend to do as, as people is, um, Rely, or is, is think about the, the negatives. I mean, you could have, this is a curse of entrepreneurs. We can have 20 clients that are 19 clients that we're kicking butt with. We're doing fantastic with. And then we have that one that complains. It gives us a bad Google review or whatever. And that's the one that keeps us up at night. And that's just, I don't, I haven't solved that piece of the puzzle either. I don't know what the, I wake up at 3.30 in the morning thinking about that one person. That I, I, you know, I feel like I let down, or I didn't get the job done the way we wanted to get it done for, and I and I neglect to think about that nineteen. Well, your your business is that way, but your 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 mind is that way too with your past. We tend to dwell on as entrepreneurs. We don't think we don't think of ourselves in the lines of what we're doing right. We think of the the things that we've got over here that we're putting off because we're scared of them. So we've got a stack of things over here that we're procrastinating on and we see the holes. Nobody else can see the, can see the holes that, that you have going on. So it's a, it's a massive head game that we're constantly playing with ourselves. And the key to it is to really get dialed in on, on your, um, on your promises to yourself, your personal integrity, on your habits, those, that's what's going to change the game for you so that you, you know who you're at and what you want, what you're trying to focus on. Uh, how have you changed your identity or how have you changed how you uh, define you, who you are in this process? Like w- w- before you said, you know, you were talking, you said it's more about like what you did and your failures. Now it is, what do you use to define your identity? Yeah, so you, the way I've done it, man, and what's worked for me, and and this is just by keeping, you know, and I was on a call with somebody yesterday, and I was talking with them, a coaching client, and I was telling them they had their confidence was gone. That's what's the matter with this person. Their confidence is just shot. And so the advice I gave them was this: I said, look, it doesn't, it you're overthinking it to start with. That's number one. It doesn't matter. It's not really about the goal. It's not. It's about keeping the promises that you need to keep in order to reach the goal. So this is the example we used yesterday. I said, if you want to buy a truck, and it, it, it doesn't matter. But it needs to be specific for you. But if you want to buy a new truck, let's say the truck costs seventy thousand dollars. So you, that's your goal is to buy that for a year from now. I'm going to buy a white Ford F one fifty. That's $70,000. And that's what I want. That's my goal. That's what I'm going for. All right. So how do, now how do I do that? So then you reverse engineer from that truck. 
in how you get it. So you know that you're going to have to have your credit a certain place. You're going to have to have your, your, your income a certain place. You're going to have to have all these things in order for you to do that. So then now you've got a list of things that you need to accomplish. Okay, what is the first thing I need to accomplish? I need to make sure I've got my income solidified. I need to make sure that I'm working in the right direction toward my credit. And then once you start achieving these these goals, and then you then you don't deviate. That's the thing that that everybody does is they get they don't look at tenfold over here on the left or tenfold over here on the right. Mm-hmm. Go toward that truck and do not for one year. That truck, maybe that truck's not going to solve the world's problems for you. But in a year, you, you can redefine that. You, you can redefine exactly what your goals are there. So you know in three months, I'm going to have $5,000 saved to go toward my down payment for my truck. In three months, I'm going to raise my credit score by 10, 15 points. Okay, that's my goal. That's what I'm going to do over the next 90 days. What does that work look like? What do I need to do? Now you're moving toward it. Well, what you don't realize is your subconscious is – Taking it's it's filing this stuff and it's creating an identity. And then when you reach these goals in 90 days, now you know what you're walking a little bit taller. Your shoulders are back. Your chest is out a little bit, and you're going. You know what? I see light at the end of the tunnel. I'm getting closer to my truck. Now I want to raise my score another 10 points over the next 90 days. I want to save another five thousand dollars. Now you look up in six months. You've got ten thousand dollars. You've got 20, 30 points higher on your credit score. You've built momentum. Now you're rocking and rolling towards your truck. 90 days, 90 days later, you're nine months in. You've got $15,000 in the bank. You've got, you're, you've raised your credit score 50 points. Now you're driving down the three months later, you're driving down the road in your new truck. You're a different human. Your goals are going to be different. So now it's like, you know what? I want to go start a business. Or I want to scale my business. A lot of these listeners are thinking about scaling their business, and they're scared, and they don't know how. I just told you how right there. That's how. That's an amazing blueprint. I think about when things have gone right, and I am not waking up at 3 a.m. in the morning because that's a real that's a reality for, for entrepreneurs. You, you, it just happens. You've got, like you said, 20 clients and there's just that one and all of your focus it's some in the subconscious comes open but that is an amazing blueprint because every time i've seen myself step up and when i release some stress is when i put something up there some goal and i've worked backwards i've I've done reverse engineered it and you can see the steps and then those steps get you keep you going and they give you confidence so that's a that's amazing what happened at 50 years old that you decided to become an entrepreneur? I mean, you had 50 years of your life, you know, I would say sales. If you did a lot of sales, it is kind of entrepreneurial. You kind of have to have that, that internal drive. So you, you may have had that, but what happened? Yeah, I'm a visionary. I've always wanted to to own a business, but I never had, I suck at the uh, uh, integrator part of it. Oh, right. So I, I didn't have any, any, I just didn't know. I didn't have any structure, any balance in that. And so, um, like I said, I've dealt with depression. So I, I was, man, my wife in August of 2020, my wife told me she didn't want to be married anymore because I was moving it. I was not moving in a good direction. And, man, you can't blame her. But so because she wanted to live her life with somebody that was moving in a positive direction. I was, I couldn't even get off the couch at the time. Wow. I had no direction, had no income. Oh, well, I did have a job, um, but it was uh, doing, but I had had a bunch of jobs. So she couldn't even trust that I would keep the job I had. So um, I went to stay with a friend of mine and I started watching videos on, on YouTube because I was so close to the situation. I couldn't figure out where, why she had made the decision she had made. At first I was hurt. And I was like, this is her fault. She broke our vows. She doesn't want to be married or whatever. But as I watched these videos, and it was understanding women, as I watched these videos and started learning, I found out that you have to have a purpose. And mm. that's what women like, women appreciate. And I don't give a, I don't care what anybody says. That's a fact. That's a fact. Women like a man that has a purpose. Women are out there clapping right now hearing me say that. They want to know a man <laughs> in the right direction. 
So, so that's what's sexy and attractive to them. So, and, and so what I did was I said, man, I need a purpose. So, okay, I've got this job selling bathroom and kitchen remodels. That's what I do. I drive an hour. My buddy lived an hour away from Waco. I said, I'm going to, I'm going to, so I drove an hour one way, each way to this job. And I said, no matter what, I'm going to keep this job, which goes back to the analogy we had about the white truck. I'm going to keep this job and I'm going to drive every day and I'm going to get good at it. And I started um, doing the work to get good at it. So I would write down when I messed up, I would write down when I got it right. And I would compare notes and I would say, okay, this is what I did wrong. This is why I didn't close this person. This is what I did right. And I would come home and I would practice in front of the mirror on it because I was having to walk up to strangers cold. So I had to get good at it. And I did, man, I became, um, man, there were times when I led the whole Austin and San Antonio and central Texas regions for, for leads for this company. So I, I became really good at it. And I did that by just slowly uh, getting better and practicing one day at a time and writing down what I was doing. So that gave me some confidence. A couple of months later, I saw in an ad uh, on Facebook and it was very organic. It was not a paid ad. It was not any, it was just a post on a personal Facebook page that this guy said he would teach credit repair. So I got on the phone with him and I paid him 300 bucks and we did a couple of zoom calls and he just gave me a website or, or excuse me, a software to use and or told me the software to use. And he gave me a couple of social media tips. And what he told me was just for the people out there with social media on your posting, it was very raw. He said, you want to make people laugh. You want to make people cry and you want to make people pull for you. 20% of the time you want to talk about your business. 20% of the time you want to talk about your, what in this case, credit repair business. <clears throat> excuse me. So that's what, that's what got me moving in the right direction. And I started with one client and I remember I was scared. I still remember I was sitting on the foot of a, of a, um, of a, a twin bed. So it's at my buddy's house and I had to stay in his back room. He had a nice room I could stay in, but I, he let me have my dog. So I had my dog with me. And so we stayed in the back room and, and, um, they had that little twin bed in it. And I was sitting on the edge talking to this real estate agent. And she said, yes, I'll give you a chance on this client. So I'm going to send this client over to you and let you fix their or let you work on their credit. And I still remember hanging up the phone. I was so excited. And then the realization hit me. Some of them, man, now I've got to figure out how to, <laughs> how to fix this person's credit. So that's how I got into the business, man. I, I laugh. I made a post yesterday about, um, kind of like the cycle of life. Like if you, if the timing isn't right, if you haven't, it, one of the statements I made is if you haven't uh, something to the effect, if you haven't finished your course that you, you need to start selling it. doesn't matter if it's done or not. You need to start selling it now. So you sold a service before you even had it figured out. And I've heard that repeated over and over and over again. And um, so that's Alex Ramosi one-on-one right there, man. Man, yeah, but <laughs> it is actually, yeah, that comes directly from Alex Ramosi. So I want to get this straight because I think you you pass by this part of the story quick enough that people might have missed it. But your whole journey in entrepreneurship started with you trying to figure out how to be more attractive or more appealing to women. Well, I was to actually to trying to understand my life. I, I was because I thought I was getting divorced, and it yeah. wasn't that. I, it wasn't that I was. So let's yeah, yeah, let's go back. It wasn't that I was trying to meet new women. I wasn't in a place for that. But it was. I told my wife and the therapist that we were seeing the marriage counselor at that time. I said, "Look, I've screwed this up. This is. I, I don't know what's going to happen here. This is one hundred percent out of my control." I don't know what my wife's going to do at this point, but here's what I do know. I know that I'm going to get better from this. Whatever happens, if she divorces me, she divorces me. I can't change that at this point. I'm walking away from this better. So yeah. part of that was, again, back to the analogy of the truck. Part of that was in order for me to get better, I had to understand what I had done wrong. So I had to learn that. And so I started watching the videos and that's what I was doing at night. So I was learning. Oh, and you know what? I started figuring it out. I actually was backtracking and seeing 
that there were plenty of signs that my wife had given me that let me know way ahead of time that I was about to get my butt thrown out and right. of, of that she was getting frustrated. I just had my eyes closed to it and, 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 and couldn't see it whenever I was in it. I think most people are living that way. And, and I love the, the whole point was you started working on you. That's, that's yeah. the, that's, that's the right. beauty is you saw this opportunity, you, you know, you're like, crap, I'm going to lose my marriage. And instead of like, Oh, a lot of us, crap, I'm going to lose my business. You start working on things that don't matter. And what re- you're saying, what really mattered was working on yourself. And well, and I, and I, yeah, I found out, look, you need a purpose. And, and the thing is we get caught up as entrepreneurs. We think that we have to, we compare ourselves to others and that sidetracks us because that's an unhealthy proposition right there. Comparing yep. yourself to other people. I didn't worry about what other people were done doing at the time. I just said, you know what, dude, you got to have a purpose and you've got to have a direction and you've got to have a career going. And then from there, I did the work. That was my white truck. That was what I figured out was okay. So now how do I fulfill this one client that I have so that I can do a good job so that that client will go tell other people that will become clients. So then I started and that was my focus and I did not take my eye off of that ball. So you, you kind of just fell into your business. It was something you, you personally experienced. And I think this is also something a lot of people like, what is it that I do for a business? And it's the same story for me. This business was born out of something I was fulfilling for my own need. You had your own need of getting some help with credit and you, and you fell into a need. I did the same thing. I, businesses are born when we're trying to fix our own problems, because we start to see the problems and we start to find the ways that we can solve that problem. And then solving that problem alludes to an opportunity. The, the success and growth of our business 100% is built off of the success and growth of us as the individual. And mm-hmm. that goes on a, that goes on a single uh, solopreneur or a, person that's got a small team or a CEO of a company. If you go hire, if you go hire a CEO for your company and you've got a big corporation, I'm talking about a big corporation, um, billion dollar corporation. If that CEO is messed up and has a scarcity mindset and doesn't have his personal life in, in control, then that business is going to go downhill. And I mean, that's a great way to make money, short that stock whenever they hire somebody that you know is a uh, basket case as a CEO. And that's the same way when you hit a uh, when you hit a brick wall with your business as an entrepreneur, whether you've got a team, your team hits a brick wall. I guarantee you it's because you've hit a brick wall as a person. So if you're maybe your leadership skills have hit a brick wall, but something has hit a brick wall that you need to make an adjustment on. So as I did with my wife, I went and watched YouTube videos. You need to go watch YouTube videos on leadership and get better at your leadership so that you can bring more out in your team. I think Maxwell refers to that as the law of the lid. Like basically you will grow to your own leadership level and that is it. And I think that's why us, us as entrepreneurs as soon as we start stop growing is as soon as our the second our business and our team starts to fail or stagnate or like you know just plummet yeah, whatever what happens, it is what, what happens is is we have a little bit of success and we and we start getting comfortable and, and then we start getting lazy yeah and then we then our we we stop growing and then i promise you your business is about a year behind you or if that maybe not mm-hmm. even that much it might be 90 days but but um, depending on what your cash flow is and the size of your business and a lot of things, but um, you you uh, your business will follow your direction. So if you if you um, if you stop growing, that's not gonna that's not gonna bode well for the the progress of your business moving forward. And I've experienced that. I've experienced it in multiple businesses that are, that feeling that you've arrived as well. Like I've made it. Like everything's going well, ah, I'm awesome. And then all of a sudden you look around, you sit in that for a minute and you look around and you're like, holy crap, I just completely imploded my own success. <laughs> success. And I watch people do that over and over again, over again. And I've done it multiple times myself. Now what, what I focus on is like, okay, it happened. 
how can I lower, if I'm going to do it again, how can I speed up the process of that mistake instead of like, um, you know, sitting in it longer, how can I shorten that and how can I identify it sooner? So becoming proactive in the process of our own personal growth and our business growth. Um, another thing, another thing we do too, and I think this is important to talk about because it's so tempting. Once you've had a little bit of success as a, uh, as an entrepreneur, you, you have to, you have to stay focused on growing because what happens is we get scared to scale. And when we get scared to scale, that's whenever you start looking for other things to do, like for coaching or other <laughs> products to bring into it. And so you dive into those arenas. And the reason you do that is because you're in an uncomfortable place that you don't want to hire somebody. You don't want to, you don't want to start because you've never experienced that before. Or you don't want to, it could be as simple as have a conversation with a current employee. It could be, it could be anything, but there's things that, that we do subconsciously to keep from facing our fears. And then those distractions will derail your business too. And then you look up and you're like, damn, I didn't make any money this quarter. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you're, you're just reaching in and touching sore points like over and over. And I think every entrepreneur is probably feeling like that you're, you're exposing like the entrepreneurial journey. You're, you know, like that, that fear of scaling is incredibly real. I don't know who else has felt it, but I have felt it so many times in my life. In fact, I identified that fear in my own business last week. It's like, why am I doing X and Y and Z? And I started to evaluate what was going on. And I'm like, I'm, I'm afraid. Like, what does it look like when I grow? You know, and, and, and I, that is such a good, good uh, insight for me. Have you ever read the book, The Gap and the Gain? No, I haven't. Okay. I think it's by, is it Dan Sullivan? Big leadership guy. Um, I think that's his name, but you really, really early on in this podcast, you talked about um, instead of thinking, you know, you have 20 clients and one's kind of negative and the rest are great. Instead of thinking about the 19 that are awesome, that one is capturing your time. And it made me remember the, the book, The Gap and the Gain, where it's talking about the that, where you really should focus on what gains you have made. Instead of like where you want to be, focus on the gains you've actually made. Instead of like focusing on the one thing going right, focus on the 19 that are going, or the one that went wrong, focus on the 19 that are going right. Because that's where our brains start to change. And that's where we start to focus on the right things. And I think so that, you have that mindset. Yeah, that, that brings about a, 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 new, a, a new thing let's add to the conversation is we're, as business owners, we're, we're visionaries and we're not integrators and, and we're scared of data. We're scared of looking at our numbers. So many people don't look at their numbers. And if you have to look at your numbers and, and, you, and because you're going to be, so we'll talk on a little bit bigger scale now because you're going to be moving forward with your business and growing your business. And in order to do that, you have to look at the numbers. And if you look at the numbers, that's going to solve that problem for you about worrying about that one that didn't make it. And in order to grow and get to a, a new level with your business, to the next level, you, the numbers are what are going to tell the story on whether or not you're a success. There's nobody out there that's kicking ass. Microsoft is not out there worrying about the people that are the, the few people that are pissed off about Microsoft. No, they're worrying about the client who is buying their product and understanding what that client's happy with and understanding what that client wants and then providing more value to them and concentrating on that. Because you get caught up in that one of out of that 20, you're going to have that. There's people that are just out there that just hate their life and they're frustrated. So you got to, you can't, you got to take that out of the mix and concentrate on the data and the numbers. That's why you can't be afraid of your numbers if you're a business owner. Yeah, I've been afraid of numbers for years, years. And part of that being a part of Apex uh, at the last meetup uh, in Dallas there was a real strong emphasis on, by the way, if you don't know what Apex is, it's a, it's a mastermind group. Kevin and I are both in it. It's how we met. But there was a real strong emphasis on creating goals for your quarters and understanding your numbers. 
And that hit me across the face really hard. Like, wow, I've always been this guy that wanted to hide from that. And that was someone else's responsibility. Like, or it'll just work itself out. And guess what? It never has. <laughs> so when did you learn that lesson to really kind of really be part of it or understand your numbers? Well, I mean, I'm still learning. I think we all are, but it, that's been a, a, a relatively new thing for me because I mean, I'm relatively new to entrepreneurship, but I just know that if, if I don't, because most of us are hemorrhaging money in places that we don't even know about. We, when you first start out in business, the, the, what you're doing is you're just doing sales. You're concentrating on doing sales because that's yep. what we're taught and we're visionaries. So you're, you're, you're just, you know how to sell and you know how to bring clients in and you're looking at the bank account. You're not looking at the whys of how much money you have in the bank. You're not looking at where that money's going. You're just looking at a balance. Like you're looking at, let's just round numbers. Let's just say $10,000 is in my bank account. And that's enough that I've got to pay my bills. That's enough to pay payroll. And that's enough that I've got to pay, keep my, my, my personal bills, pay myself. So you've got that ten thousand dollars in the in the in the bank uh, per month, and you know if I keep it at ten thousand dollars, so you know if it dips down to seven or eight thousand dollars, go out and get us some more sales, and that's how we live our lives. But the problem is that's not you're not going to grow like that. You have to identify that data, and, and that's uh, man, we could go deep into this, but but you you have to. That's how you know how to market. That's how you know exactly what the trends are. Those numbers. I don't know why we're so scared of them. I guess it's because we're just not, uh, we're, again, we're visionaries, man. And so that's why it's so important to, to when you can get an integrator in there. Yeah. Yeah. How do you, how do you, how specifically have you identified that you are not an integrator? Other than, I mean, have you done any assessments that helped you or you just, you just know yourself? Fill me in on that one. I haven't, but, but there are plenty of people that do them, and I believe in them. I'm, I know myself pretty well, man. I mean, I, um, as far as I know that my go, my strong suits are people, relationships, mm-hmm. and I and I know and I know that. So you've got the buckets, man. I'm, I'm sure y'all talked about buckets plenty in here, man. You know that. Okay, I'm not good at fulfillment. Like it costs me a ton of money to sit down and literally work on somebody's credit. That makes no sense for me. But I've got people in place that are good at it, real good at it, and they can fix somebody's credit. So my job is to go get clients and then make sure that person that's doing the fulfillment has everything they need so that I can get my clients taken care of. And I'm costing my business a lot of money if I'm if I'm jacking around worrying about these. I'm not an accountant either. I'm not somebody that's going to go. I'm not going to solve that problem about the $10,000 dipping down to 8,000 and finding out I'm not a bean counter, mm-hmm. but I know how to go get somebody that is. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's and just sometimes a... it might take you a little bit of money. Sometimes that $8,000 that you need it to be 10 might have to dip down to 6,000 so you can get that accounting in there. But I promise you, and this is what we're scared of. And that's a scarcity mindset. If you'll take that, that extra little money out of that, that reserve, and pay for that accountant, that accountant's going to find that money back for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a whole nother like peeling a layer off of the onion, right? Like what that scarcity mindset. And I think we could say we're abundant minded, but I think there's a, there is on in almost everybody, some level of scarcity mindset, some level of fear around spending to gain or, or putting out assets or, or living a little under what you really want to live under. I know I've been a long, long life victim of my own thoughts around money and, and abundance and spending in order to get return. Uh, it's, I, it's, it's like a disease. It's, it, it's all encompassing well, and it grows. It comes back to that fear of, of, of failure that, cause we're all one thing, another thing that entrepreneurs, even at the highest, highest level are worried about is having the rug pulled out from under us. So, so we think that it's all, we worry that it's all going to disappear. And, and that's a normal thing, but you have to realize that, or you have to think of it in a way that you're in it for the long game. So mm-hmm. you're not, you're not, you're, you're not in it. You're not worried about making this. So if I make this mistake and I have a terrible month where I actually lose money, the world's not going to end. 
you, you, you make this mistake and it costs you a quarter to get your taxes in your accountant and your accounting in place to where you don't have to worry about that anymore. Well, how long are you in business for? You're in business forever. I'll, yeah. I'll quit business when I fall over dead. That's I it. A, I have a writing up on my wall. Another, I don't follow John Maxwell, but there's, this is going to be the second John Maxwell referral to or re- reference today. I was listening to a podcast, Ed Milet. He was on the Ed Milet show and he was talking about having no finish line. I think he actually wrote a book because he said he had this retirement jar with the amount of marbles of days he had left. And every day he would take a a marble out and it, he didn't say this, but resonated with me. He's like, when that jar got empty, I didn't know what to do. He literally lost his marbles. He's like, I lost, I don't want a finish line. And I wrote that on my board because every other people's dreams, that's society telling me that I need to retire or doing this thing. But I thought about this, like, I'll work until I die because it's in my DNA. It gives me joy. I love solving problems. So I love hearing other people saying that I'm a, I'm a firm believer in no finish line. It comes, it comes back down to your confidence level. It always comes back down to where we started, which it circles back to confidence because um, I, I know without doubt, and, and there's somebody out there listening to this podcast right now that would invest in me to, to go push their product just from what they've heard over the last 45 minutes to go push their product for them. So I know that if it was taken from me, if it was worst case scenario, I'm still going to be in the game. Yeah. I'm still going to go be doing business. And and once we get past that and we reach that, that comfort level of knowing, then we can, then you can grow. Then you can really build something. I think of that quite often. And I don't think it's necessarily a positive thing for me to think about, but I think about like, if everything were falling apart, if everything fell apart, what would I do? And it's quite, fascinating because I have about 15 options just right at the tip of my mind. Like, Oh, I, you know, and I had these ideas and the only thing I know that would separate me from success in those is time and effort. Well, that's what it takes to have a company is time and effort. Yeah. And I think that honestly thinking about it tells me that there's a little fear that's still in, in there, but also the fact that I'm finding a place where I'm like, yeah, I could do X, Y, or Z. I have choices. It's just like, which direction do I want to go? Shows me that I'm gaining confidence in myself and in my abilities and seeing opportunities. And it it really is freeing to understand like, ah, someone would pay me to coach them in podcasting, which I do. Someone will pay me to do their post-production for their podcasting. Someone will pay me to hire VAs for them. Someone will pay me to, you know, that's a little different than my my business offering. And that's that place of abundance. But earlier we talked about not chasing those rabbits because of fear of scaling. And I think that's a dangerous yeah. place. My mind just went there too, man. Because uh, it, it's a little bit of a uh, talking out of both sides of your mouth thing. Right. You, you, you um, uh, but I think it gives you comfort. I think it gives you comfort in a way because we are entrepreneurs and your business and my business are no different. They're, they're, they're literally the same thing. We just have different vehicles, but we're still going in the same direction. And to know that you have that skill set to, to where you can, you can, billionaires, well, they probably are literally going around worrying about they're losing money, but they know, they, they know that once they, they have the skill set. Then they, if they, if everything got taken from them tomorrow, they could replace that skill that skill set. I mean, they could use that skill set to replace what they lost. And that's the same thing that I have in place for myself right now too. And I think most of the listeners have it as well. And that's there's comfort in that and knowing I, we're not saying don't take don't stay focused on the prize and what you're going for, but we're just saying maybe it'll help you get a little more sleep at night. To know that if you were to bust out, your worst fears were to come, and we're all living with that, were to come true, you and your family would still be okay. The only reason you and your family wouldn't be okay is if you can't get out of the way of what's in between your ears. Yeah. Speaking of in between your ears, you've alluded twice uh, just about mental health for you. Um, I, a lot of people aren't necessarily willing to just come out and say, hey, I've, he- I've dealt with some mental health issues. So uh what do you personally do if you're willing to to talk to us what do you do to keep your mind 
body and spirit kind of pointed in the right direction and rise above those things that um, may be working against you at times. Yeah, man, I, absolutely. I'll talk about it. I, I so I, um, cause I believe Ed Milet says, you know, nothing happens to us. It happens for us. Yep. And I believe that, um, my part of my duty and my obligation is to is to talk about what I've been through in life so that I can help other people move just a little bit further down the field than I've been able to. I, I believe that's the whole purpose of everything we do. That's, that's the whole purpose of why we're on earth. So it's for me, the way I've treated it is bipolar disorder. That's what I've struggled with. And the way I treat it is I take, I'll tell you what I take. I take a, mes- a medicine called Buspar, which is a, a Almost just over the counter medicine that any doctor will prescribe, any uh, regular doctor will prescribe. It's not like any kind of psychotic medicine or anything like that. So I got off of all that kind of crap. That's the first thing I did. Now, I'm not going and telling anybody that's out there right now to go get off of your medication if you're taking medication. I'm telling you it didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. So what I, what does work for me is exercise, eating, eating clean, eating healthy, um, staying off the drugs and alcohol. Um, yoga, mindset, meditation, positive affirmations, it, constantly uh, uh, feeding my brain with positive things, man. That's That's been huge for me. But you have such a, you know, cardio is a big one for me because it allows me to, to clear my, my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bipolar runs in my mom's side of the family. Very aware of how that affects, uh, you know, how that affects an individual. The, I, but you really hit the nail on the head is that exercise. And you just, like, I think a lot of people would see, like he said, exercise, he said, yoga, he said, like cardio courts was exercise. Uh, you mentioned about six things and they're thinking, well, that's way too much time. Well, like you're going to make it up on the other end really, yeah, really exactly. fast. That's long. Yeah. It's, you know, saying it's too much time is short game thinking. That's a great point because if you take 10 minutes to do some meditation or breathing exercises, man, and it gets you through the next four to six hours or keeps you from crashing for three days, that's not hard math to do. No, it's not. It's not. When did you start to kind of dial that in? Was there a time when it that was overwhelming and slowed you down and then you made a big switch? Has it just been in these last two years? Yeah, it's been in the recent years. I mean, and this goes back to the identity thing that we talked about earlier. You you have these identities that you that you have for yourself. And I was telling myself this story because of the people around me. They were they were telling me that this is who you are. You have to, you need to accept this and just this is going to be your life. Mm-hmm. I believed it. So that cost me thirty years that believing that stuff, man. And it's a bunch of nonsense because when you look at my life. When you look at what I'm accomplishing, when you look at my business, when you look at my relationship with my wife, by the way, my wife and I got back together and we're doing great. When That's you look awesome. at my bank account, when you look at what I'm doing in life, I'm putting the value out there. Nobody can tell me I'm not putting the value out there. So that overcomes anything and allows me to have the flexibility to talk about what I want to talk about. Yeah, that's that's incredible. There's a lot of societal lies that we can buy into. And um, I think recognizing that we have bought into it and it's affected us is step one. And then fighting that and understanding that those are actually lies. Those are stories we've told ourselves and that we have to reframe those stories. What tools have you used to reframe those stories that, you know, that have been lies in your head for so long? Man, I, um, I have um, the tools, man, that, man, that's a tough question to just get so uh, narrow on. But uh, the tools that I use, man, have been um, just the things that we talked about. But really mm-hmm. the biggest one for me, Scott, has been uh, confidence, man. Yeah. Confidence. I can't stress confidence. I've talked about it probably four or five times now on this one podcast. I cannot stress the fact, and you start confidence very small, working on your confidence, very small. The same habits that you would use to lose weight or if you want to lose 20 pounds and you and you start exercising and you want to get to a point where you can run a mile, so you start with just running a quarter mile, 
people don't realize, and you start by just cutting your calories down and cutting out sweets, those same disciplines that you use to do that are the same disciplines you use to make your business successful. Yeah. We overcomplicate everything. Isn't that true? So talk about, um, I find it, I, I'm almost 50, so I can talk about like our age. <laughs> You're only three years older than me. I find it incredibly inspiring that at 50, you started entre your entrepreneurial journey. I, I, so what would you say to anybody who, uh, you know, in fact, I'm, I'm asking this because I talked to someone just recently. Like, I'm, I'm way past that. I'm, I, I can't do that now. And for me, I was like, that's so not true. If you were 70, you could start. So what would you say to someone that's like, oh, man, I'm too old to start, whatever? Well, I mean, I would say look at me for one. I mean, but 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 um, it's the first, one thing, man, that I think is so important is to really get. Um, and this is so hard. This is so hard for people to do, man. But to really get intentional about the people you're being around and you're hanging around. Because for a long time, man, I was hanging around a bad crowd of people, the wrong crowd of people. And that was where a lot of the alcohol and drugs came from. Mm -hmm. So when you change that, man, you'll be doing more than more than 99 percent of the population right there. And that's going to separate. I'm, I'll talk about how to separate yourself from the pack a lot, because sometimes it's just that simple. It's not really in this day and age, in this world that we live in. It's not that as much about what you what you do. Um, or, or it's, 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 you're going to separate yourself from what other people do just by becoming 1% better every day. Yeah. 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 So how did you intentionally find new people to surround yourself with? What was your process for that? Cause I struggled that with, with that for a long time. I was like, how do I, I mean, I got all these people around me and that's my, my world. How do I get in the presence of other people? I've figured it out. I'm curious how, how you figured that out. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you mentioned Apex earlier, uh, Mastermind. Man, I highly recommend everybody to, to join Apex. Man, Apex is a game changer in, in that regard because you're around people that, that are like-minded, that are entrepreneurs, that believe in becoming 1% better and want to become better. And, and that's it's just an amazing network. But I would say, you know, Get around those people, and it's, that's one hundred percent. Just by osmosis, is gonna is gonna change your life. I mean, I talk to people in, in that mastermind a lot that haven't reached the point mentally where they want to do the work yet, but I know they're gonna be okay because they're just in the right room, so they're exposed to it, and you can't be you can't miss just by being in the right room. That's so true. I remember, I think it was Jim Rohn. I used to listen to, to, to tapes. Well, you know, then CDs for me. And he, uh, he was telling a story, asking somebody, if you lost everything, what would you do? And they, they told this story of, I would, I would work as hard as I could to buy the nicest shoes and the nicest clothes. And I would go to the, and go to the absolute most expensive restaurant and eat there. It, all my money would be gone, and I would continue that process because I would be surrounded by people who could eat there every day. And that that took me a long time to to understand that it doesn't have to be that you're starting at zero. It can be I'm an entrepreneur. I have eight thousand dollars this month. My living is ten thousand dollars, and I'm going to pay maybe it's five hundred or a thousand a month to be around the right people. Well, that's a net a net loss. Why, why in the world would I do that? Sometimes you have to take a net loss. You have to put it all in to get further up. It's, it's all, I, I harp on this all the time. It's always about your avatar. That's in your personal life. Oh, yeah. That's in your business life. That's in all aspects of life. And people just cannot see this. I try to tell them, you, you, you want to you have a great marriage? Create an avatar for who exactly who it is you want to be married. What characteristics do you want them to have? I want them to be ambitious. I want them to be attractive. I want them to be smart. I want I want them to be somebody that would be a good for me, a good mother or a good role model. Or get very specific on that, and then do not compromise. Go get that person. Market to that person. Talk to that person. Get out in front of that person. And then the same holds true for who your ideal client is. If you want to build your business, 
You can give your business today, and we'll, we can finish with it. You can give your business today an immediate boost by changing, by improving your avatar, the income of your avatar, 100%, and get dialed in on that. And people are scared, and that goes back to that scarcity mindset. They will not um, go all in on their avatar because they're scared to let that business go. Yeah, you and I were having a little chat with someone else a couple of weeks ago about the avatar. And I really truly believe that a lot of uh, business owners don't know their avatar. They don't, some people don't even know what they mean, what it means, but they've never done I'll the be work. A client is what it means. Yeah, they've just never done the work. They've never sat down and said, you know, it's 37. My my ideal client is 37 years old. His name is Joe. He lives in the Midwest, you know, like literally down to the details, has two kids, like, and then makes and, and, X amount per money per month in revenue or whatever it is. Yeah. And writing that down and getting specific on that and putting that on paper tells you exactly how to talk to them in your marketing. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Uh, Kevin, you like literally won the record for amazing notes I took in a podcast interview. <laughs> And I'm not just saying that I've like, I've got like 15, like power pieces, power punch pieces here noted, noticed or notified. Um, and this is what I've known about you. Let me just lift you up a little bit. I've only known you for maybe a month or two um, virtually. And it's always give, give, give. And there's no doubt in my mind how you, you grew a business in two years because you are a giver and everything you're learning are is a you're giving that gift to everyone else to learn and i really appreciate that i think it's phenomenal please keep it up i feel like every day i'm i'm going to read your comment or your post and it's was it was basically like just reaching in my head and pulling it out so i want to thank you personally for really filling me up and other entrepreneurs up. I know you do the same thing. You've given me some advice, which was really incredible, especially around credit when dealing with some things that I was dealing with. And so um, I know you are an incredible human and I know that means you have an incredible business. So tell us a little bit about three, uh, 3B credit and health, credit health. 3B credit health, yeah. Appreciate that, man. Thank you for those kind words. Um, I, um, Zig Ziglar, man, Zig Ziglar said it, I think it was in the 60s, man. He said, if you help enough people get where they want to get, then you'll get every, anywhere you want to get. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's paraphrased, but it's, uh, it's as true as it gets, man. And, and, uh, the older I get, the truer that statement gets. But, um, yeah, man, we've got a credit repair business and my goal is to separate ourselves, man. I'm trying to change, uh, the whole scope of how credit repair works. So with, with my company, I work with, uh, lenders and, and realtors and other business owners to help them convert their clients and or the, their clients that are credit challenged into clients. And the way we do that is to, is, is, number one is transparency. So if you, if you were to call me up and, and uh, um, sign up with me, the first thing I'm going to do is put together a 90 day plan for you of where we're going to go in the next 90 days to get you in the right direction. The same thing we would do if we were going to buy a white truck. Same thing we would do if we were going to scale our business. We're going to create a 90-day plan. That way we know exactly where we're going to reverse engineer from, and we both know what that work looks like. And then we know now we know what we need to do. So um, there's no excuses on my end. You know exactly what you're getting. You know where we got to go, what we got to do. And then you can come say to me, hey, Kevin, you said we were going to do this, and we didn't do it. Now, this conversation is never going to happen because I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. But – we have it and it's outlined right there in front of you. And so then we can, we can move forward. Now, 90 days later, if need be, if we don't have you where you need to be so that you can buy your home, you can buy your car, you can grow your business, you can do whatever you want to do with your personal credit, then we'll put together another 90 day plan. Mm. And that's what I do that separates me because most credit repair companies, if there's any out there that are doing that, I don't know about it. That's amazing. It's amazing. Adding massive value. Not just a fix it, but a plan, which I think is incredible. I really appreciate your time. I know time is extremely valuable. Appreciate you I appreciate having your me, man. time, man. Thank you. Um, 
So we'll make sure we get Kevin's links if you are in need of credit repair or if you just want to reach out to this guy who's got uh, massive gold nuggets to drop on everybody. We'll make sure you can do that in the show notes. Um, Kevin, again, thank you from the bottom of my, my heart. Anything you need, bro, reach out. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you have an amazing week. Make sure you subscribe, rate, do all the things that will help this podcast be heard by others so they can hear amazing uh, tidbits and knowledge and experience from folks like Kevin. You have the knowledge, the experience, and the talent needed to succeed. But in the day and age we live in, skill is not enough. Your story is the most powerful tool in your arsenal. This show will help you tap into that resource and learn how to leverage your message to gain deeper influence and build a lasting legacy. Tune in each week as thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and authors share how they built empires on the backs of their story. You're listening to Stories That Sell with your host, Scott Ramage.